It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. program's live. It's not a rerun. It's the ninth day of January 2024. This is the horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the Merry Wacky Zany Real-Time Madcap Multimedia Extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live Monday through Friday, including today, Tuesday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round. And um, if you do pop in while this program is live, like right now, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers. That would be Theo and Squeaky and Matt in San Francisco. Hey, y'all. I'll explain in a minute, but I wasn't planning on being here, but now I are. Oh, hi. I'm Robin. If you're listening to the podcast, please like each episode on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Android Podcasts, um, Odyssey, Podcast Republic, Podbean, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. <laughs> I don't think Stitcher's there anymore. Uh, Spotify. Yeah, we're all over the place. Uh, but please, like and subscribe. Leave a comment for the algorithms to, to see and to help us boost our visibility. It really is a giant help. Uh, please and thank you. Uh, so, uh, let me explain. Um, I wasn't planning on being here. I was planning on being in Charleston at the... Uh, uh, symposium regarding the 10th anniversary of the freedom disaster but it didn't quite play out that way we had some really howling winter winds blow through about oh, starting about midnight last night and they've been going pretty much non-stop it rained all day long everything is just absolute slop And, well, uh, because there's some bad weather going on, (laughs) 
I mean, Appalachian power is Appalachian power. So, you know, they're going to do what Appalachian power does, and that is not be very good at providing electricity under even modestly inclement weather. And so the power's been, on the one hand, the program's live. On the other hand, God alone knows how long it will be. Because the power's been blinking off and on in the, the, the uh, well, all afternoon. We haven't had one of those blink, 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 that you know, because when it hits three, you know, you're out for a while. You're three, three, three blinks and you're out. But we are, uh, this program is live. And I'm kind of glad I am. We are. Oh. English is hard sometimes because there's just too much out there to miss this day. Holy crap. I mean, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude. Now stop it, Emilio. It's too early. Live, don't try to fool us, AI. We know the real Robin wasn't going to be here today. This is either an AI podcast version or the one nine show from 2023. You're not fooling us. Deep State, Wolverines. Well, and if ever there was a day to yell Wolverines, this is it. Because, yes, uh, the Michigan Wolverines defeated the Washington State Huskies uh, last night. What was it, 34 to 13? I'll be honest, I didn't watch. Some college football fan you are, Kincaid. But that's okay. I got up this morning and tuned into my filthy morning habit to hear Jehoshaphat talking about how the uh, Alabama should have won the the semifinal. Alabama fans can be so obnoxious. But Michigan won. Uh, no, I didn't watch. Uh, instead, uh, Annette and I just sat and uh, had some giggles and watched. Uh, God, what do we? We watched Night Court. That's what we did. We watched Night Court, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, Ben, just boring old women that we are, went to bed. And and got up this morning, got ready to go, and it's like, ah, no. <laughs> and then I got to thinking about it, it's like, wait a minute. They're going to have a hearing today in Washington, D.C. And have a hearing they did before the DC, United, United States Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. And oh, to be a fly on that wall. But, of course, as American citizens, we're not allowed to have to, to actually watch the proceedings because that much might be too much for our simple little minds to comprehend. But holy cow. Yeah. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program, even though it wasn't necessarily supposed to be here, is no different. And so we say thank you to our ninth day of the month subscribers. And that means thank you to Mary Bell. Mary Bell, thank you so kindly. And, th- and thank you ever so kindly to James. Thank you both so very much. 
And thank you to Ralph's. All for being uh, partial sponsors of the program. So where does that leave us? Well, we got $600 to go to uh, get caught up yesterday and today, basically. Um, and we'll see what happens throughout the course of the program. But I got a feeling this is going to be a humdinger. This is going to be a doozy. And I hate to say it, but I may be it, it. This may this may be an orange genius heavy program. You know, all 215 pounds and six foot three of him. But just as a sort of amuse bouche. I wanted to go to a clip I ran across from, it's actually, a, a, oh, maybe a couple of weeks old. And I got I to gotta, I gotta call our uh, Horn Family Community Congregation official Washington Journal correspondence on the carpet for this one. How'd y'all how, miss this one and not tell me? Steve in Georgia Stan, tell me tell me you didn't hear this one. Todd because this one's kinda epic. I'm I'm liking this a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's something like uh oh let's see. Uh, somewhere around about Christmas or a couple of days before Christmas. Right about the solstice might explain the content. This uh, so a guy just calls in and well get the hockey puck. I mean this isn't one of those uh, crazy maggot cranks calls in before they get there. No, it's son of a gun. I. It's a call from Florida, and I can't help wondering if at some point, at some point along, no, no, I guess not. Wow. Okay. Just li never mind the setup. Just listen. West Palm Beach, Florida, Democrat. Good morning. You're next. Good morning. This is Mr. I just want to refer that I'm a, I'm a 92 year old man, and I, I remember when Trump's father was in our village and talked to me personally. He was really a, a fan of Hitler. The, he said that dictatorship is not as bad as people think. He says one man rule is better than having too many people trying to bring their opinion up. And that was the same thing his son did. He believes that dictatorship is the best thing for this country. And sooner or later, you're going to wake up and believe when he becomes president, he'll become a dictator. So, America, be aware. And I'll say goodbye to America. Hello. I kind of want to hear that again. West Palm Beach, Florida, Democrat. Good morning. You're next. Good morning. This is Mr. I just want to refer that I'm a I'm a 92 year old man, and I I remember when Trump's father was in our village and talked to me personally. He was really a, a fan of Hitler. The, he said that dictatorship. It's not as bad as people think. He says one man rule is better than having too many people.
trying to bring their opinion up. And that was the same thing his son did. He believes. Yeah, too many crooks spoil the stew. (sighs) He's talking about Nitwit Nero's dirty old daddy. You know, the guy who was busted at a Klan rally where the cops only busted the rioting Klansmen. And they brought him down to the station, uh, old, uh, young then, Fred Trump. Brought him down to the station, and he was in full Klan regalia. But I saw this earlier today, and it sort of set the stage for what I felt like the, program, the, the shape the program might take this evening. And and by the way, I'm, I, I was I made this decision to go on the air, kind of at the last minute, wondering if we were going to have electricity and whatnot. So I apologize for not getting anything out there on social media. But again, since we're about 15 minutes into the program, no, this is not a rerun. This is the ninth day of January 2024. So we begin with a reminder that Nitwit Nero's daddy was a. Hitler fan, too. And you know what? It might make sense if you think about the fact that Trump's daddy's daddy was bounced out of Germany for being a draft dodger. And that was under the mm, Bismarck government? Yeah? Yeah. And so there were probably stories of that told around the old... Drumpf, because remember, their name was Drumpf, family uh, dinner table at the time. And so, uh, okay, I will give that consideration. Lee in New York says, uh, I'm re-watching Star Trek Prodigy. Please consider it. I haven't seen it. Um. But anyway, so today we had the uh, the appeal hearing in the United States Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, and it went pretty much about like you'd expect. And in the run-up to the hearing, uh, he'd been running his yap and decided he wanted to give some interviews, uh, an interview, because Mr. Meth Pillow, I haven't heard from him in a little bit, having more or less driven his own Meth Pillow company out of business, went on uh, to uh, Lindell TV. I think that's what it's called. Uh, you can you can send the check here, Mr. Meth Pillow. And he hired cranky old former Fox business host Lou Dobbs. And Lou Dobbs sat down to interview Tangerine Tiberius. And it didn't go well at all. Because... Well, sometimes, sometimes uh, Julius Geezer actually says the quiet part out loud. That's mostly, he mostly does that all the time. And so what he's looking for now is he's hoping that the American economy will crash. 
so that he can claim to save it. Yeah? N- never mind the, 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 the economic hardship and the devastation that would happen. He wants Joe Biden's... Account. Yeah, we used to have some norms in this country where you didn't wish crappy things to happen to the country because of whoever happened to be in the White House, but I guess if you're a maggot, that ship has sailed and sunk. When there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. The one president, I just don't want to be Herbert Hoover. Would have been funnier if it said Hubert Heaver, but we can't. You can't always get what you want. Well, he's never going to be FDR. He doesn't want to be the president when the market crashes. And he went on from there, saying that. Uh, Uh, he wants. Uh, we have an economy that's so fragile, and the only reason it's running now is it's running off the fumes of what we did. It's just running off the fumes. Probably knows a little bit about fumes, isn't it? What Nero does, yes. And he's what it boils down to is he's scared because. Joe Biden has actually presided over an economic rebound that has a lot to do with things that the Biden administration did. And if anybody out there is feeling vindicated, it's probably, among others, uh, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. It was last year when, uh, as Congress was coming into this session, uh, when... uh, Hakeem Jeffrey said that extremist maggots were rooting for a crash and that they might use a government shutdown to create one. Oh, well, people gave Hakeem Jeffrey shit for that. And then it turned out that the chief maggot confirmed what Hakeem Jeffries had said. And the maggots in the House are now screaming, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. And we are on this here ninth day of January 2024, we are 10 days from part of the government shutting down. The other part shuts down in February. And right now, if I were a betting girl, I would say that... uh, The odds are better than even that the maggots will shut it down. Because, again, uh, Mullah Moses Mike Johnson's testicles are in an old peanut butter jar in the back of Matt Gates's skeevy refrigerator with his Red Bull and his jars of anti-COVID pee-pee. And he went on and said that uh, 
uh, gasoline, Nitwit Nero, of course, doesn't drive. Probably can't drive. Hasn't bought a gallon of gasoline maybe in his entire miserable life. You remember when one of the, well, some people say that it went a long way toward costing him the election when old Pappy Bush, CIA man that he was, what was it? He didn't understand barcode scanners in 1992. It's so weird. That seems like yesterday to me. And yet it was 32 years ago. Well, Nitwit Nero doesn't doesn't know how much gas is. And uh, you had gasoline selling for less than two dollars, and now you have it at five, six, seven, and even eight dollars a gallon. I love the fact that he adds a gallon with relish. Reminds me of the old Beck's beer commercial where. The narrator says the Germans aren't very good at comedy, but they're great at making beer. And it cuts to a German comedian standing in a, in, in a, in a comedy club saying, I just flew in from Berlin, and boy, are my arms tired from the flapping. Now it's gone. And now it's going for five, six, seven, eight dollars a gallon. <sighs> Well, there's only one problem. The national average price of a gallon of gasoline as of yesterday, according to AAA, is $3.07 per gallon. AAA, in a press release last week, said, like holiday decorations, gas prices are coming down. And then there's another another uh, uh, outfit called Gas Buddy. When Ron Filipkowski from, what is it, Midas Touch, posted the clip of Nitwit Nero saying, It's five, six, seven, eight dollars a gallon. Uh, dollars a gallon. Yeah, he, uh, well, uh, the uh, community note from the website that used to be known as Twitter said, uh, Gas Buddy finds not one single station in their database of around 150,000 gas stations at $8 a gallon. Not one. Not one. Not 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 even the Rippy Mart in Frostbite Falls, Minnesota. As eight dollar a gallon gas. <laughs> uh, Lee in New York says uh, Donald Trump has a driver's license. Stop it, Robin. He proved his height with his driver's license. Sad to say, he's a more experienced driver than Robert Moses was. Adding, uh, Trump doesn't want to be Hoover. You said that Nitwit Nero does not want to be FDR. Can he spell FDR? The world wonders. Where is Task Force 7? The world wonders. 
Woo, that pissed off Admiral Halsey. So we are, I promise, going to get to the uh, hearing in the United States Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. I didn't catch this. Sometimes I'm glad I don't, because I would have been hooting like a barn owl. I had a note from our pal Joy in Ann Arbor, who I hope is uh, enjoying and celebrating Michigan's national championship. Joy was watching MSNBC when she grabbed up grabbed up her device, her phone, her do whatever, and said, uh, "Oh my sweet baby Jesus!" This is Titanic Tuesday, by the way. Just a reminder. Oh my sweet baby Jesus! Katie Turr thought. On bunk, you know, language relative to the Circuit Court of Appeals, E-N-B-A-N-C, just to be clear, Katie Turr thought on bunk was on bong. O-N-B-O-N-G. I know, there are sometimes I read things like this and I feel like I'm on bong. Joy continued and said, I expect better from someone who anchors her very own news show. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like, it's not like our little, uh, oh, what did, uh, Dead Ed Schultz call, uh, call internet? Uh, yeah, uh, non-commercial broad, yeah, yeah, he called it yeah, bake sale radio. Yeah. Not like the bake sale radio we do here. She's got a real live MSNBC program. And with, when I wrote back to Joy and said, shoot me, shoot me dead, she said she was asking one of the attorneys about the term. Oh, my God, how can you pretend to be a journalist and not know this? I know it only because I've followed the news closely for years, not for any other reason. Anyone like Tur, who is expected to follow the news closely, especially in recent years, should know this term. My God. On bong. Do, do, does this mean she gets a, a nickname? I, you know, kind of the way that Anderson Cooper is Anderson Calliope Cooper. Katie on bong tur. <sighs> Might be hard to avoid with future Katie Tur references. I mean, how? Good Lord. Uh, Anderson Calliope Cooper. Goes all the way back to ooh, Katrina? Yeah? And hey, let me take a minute and just thank those of you who showed up live anyway, uh, showed up for the program knowing that it probably wouldn't be live anyway. It's really nice to know that there's folks out there listening. It gives me a happy. And I appreciate it. So thank you. And then, well, I could have saved this for prayer meeting Wednesday. But sometimes it just feels like things shouldn't wait. God, this is disgusting. You know, a long, long time ago,
the man that the late great Bart Cop referred to as that horse molester, Paul Harvey, good day. Uh, a long time ago, Paul Harvey did a, a bit called So God Made a Farmer. Well, along comes a, a, a gang of grifters called the Dilly Meme Team. They're independent of the Nitwit Nero campaign, but they work in close coordination with it. They call themselves Nitwit Nero's Online War Machine. They produced God alone knows how many vulgar, sexist video pieces. And so they produced this thing called God Made Trump. Again, a send-up of the old horse molester Paul Harvey's God Made a Farmer. Oh, get the hockey puck and the duct tape and maybe a, about a five-gallon bucket. And on June 14, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. Something tells me this is like an AI of Paul Harvey's voice. For those of you who remember Paul Harvey, and now you know the rest of the story. This sounds like AI doing Paul Harvey. So God gave us Trump. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. I need somebody with arms, strong enough to rustle the deep state, and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to ruffle the feathers, tame cantankerous World Economic Forum. Deliver his own grand... Did we miss that part of the hagiography? Do you mean to tell me that one of the daughters-in-law or one of the daughters unable to make it to the ER or the birthing center trusted the birth of her baby to that man's tiny paws? Wow. Oh, I wish this was, I I wish it was over, but it isn't. Come home hungry, have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon, and mean it. So God gave us Trump. I need somebody who can shape an axe, but wield a sword, who had the courage to step foot in North Korea. Uh, they, They even include video of Nero doing that really masculine, terribly, terribly butch Saudi Arabian sword dance. 
in which they all hold sabers down roughly at the angle of you know, where a penis would be. Who can make money from the tar of the sand, turn liquid to gold. Who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation, will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon, but then put in another 72 hours. So God made Trump. God had to have somebody willing to go into the den of vipers, call out the fake news for their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is on their lips, and yet stop. So God made Trump. God said, I need somebody who will be strong and courageous, who will not be afraid or terrified of the wolves when they attack. A man who cares for the flock, a shepherd to mankind who won't ever leave nor forsake them. I need the most diligent worker to follow the path and remain strong in faith. Jesus Christ! Exactly. And know the belief of God and country. Somebody who's willing to drill, bring back manufacturing and American jobs. And infrastructure week. Arm the lands, secure our borders, build our military, fight the system all day and finish a hard week's work by attending church on Sunday and then his which no one ever actually saw him do his oldest son turns and says dad let's make America great again dad let's build back a country to be the envy of the world again so God made Trump Yeah. Well, out in Iowa, some uh, uh, preachers are actually deeply offended by this. And we're not talking about the usual suspects that are offended by Trump's appropriation of uh, the teachings of Yeshua, the brown-skinned Palestinian day laborer and semi-literate itinerant rabbi who wore a dress every day of their life. No. Uh, Pastor Michael Damastus from the Fort Des Moines Church of Christ said, I find it absolutely sickening, period. Trump is not the Messiah. Now, Damascus, again, isn't some sissy, lily-livered Unitarian or something. No, at one point in time, Pastor Damascus said that Tangerine Tiberius is the most pro-life president we have ever had. But then he said, it ain't just me with this video. Many other evangelical pastors find that video offensive. And then there's the Church of the Way in Des Moines, where the preacher there, Terry Amon, said, Christians have no right to be offended by anything since Christ went to the cross totally innocent for us guilty sinners. That being said, the video demeans Christianity, Trump, and the people who made it. 
It says a lot about the people around Trump and their worldly understanding of Christianity. Ouch. I know, I know, Emilio. Get up before dawn? Well, only if dawn's sleeping in until noon. Because remember, when when was executive time? About 11 a.m. With his first Big Mac and Diet Coke? I know, it is, it is risible, risable, is it not, Emilio? Sorry, I had to do something French, because France has a new prime minister. Yeah, yeah quite the big deal, really. The new French prime minister is the first French prime minister who is... Uh, the youngest they've ever had. His name is Gabriel Attal. He's the youngest French prime minister ever. And he's also the gayest French prime minister ever. So I had to use my bad high school French there for a minute. Okay, there's a semester's worth of bad college French. Okay. Flavio says, that sounds nothing like Paul Harvey. That sounds like Mitt Romney talking. If I remember Paul Harvey's voice, it was very distinct. I know. Paul Harvey, good day. The old horse molester, yes. Bart, we're just keep we're, we're keeping that alive for you, buddy, wherever you aren't. <laughs> Responding to Lee in New York saying that Trump couldn't spell FDR. Ralps responded and said, I'll spot him the F and the D. Oh, Ralps. <laughs> Spotting the F. Uh, Lee uh, adds, uh, on bong? Is that a court with Kavanaugh on the bench? No, that's on boof, Lee. On boof. On bong would be... Uh, uh, the junior senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul, libertarian ophthalmologist, and that thing on his head. You're right. It is. Uh, Matt in San Francisco says it's also a reductive of DeSantis's God made a fighter. I know, Matt. My favorite part, Matt says, is crediting Trump with birthing his grandchildren, him, j- grandchildren, giving him doula status. Doula Donald, look what you've done, Matt. We've got a new, we've got a new reference. Doula Donald Trump. Uh, Ken, writing from. Far northwestern Pennsylvania says, listening live, the wind is howling here as well. Actually forgot you mentioned. You wouldn't be live today. Glad you are. Well, thank you, Ken. I'm, uh, Flavio, there's no point sending me pronouncers. I'm never, I'm not, my French is never going to improve. It's risible. Thank you. 
but my, my, my French will always remain pew. No, not pew, le pew. Flavio adds, Trump sent by God, the second coming. People fall for this drivel? Yeah, they do. They really, really do. And the Iowa carcasses come along a week from yesterday. And those and, and, and the exit interviews from the journalists who get parachuted in there should be some real doozies. Lee in New York says, so God made Trump? He actually wanted the ad to be, so Trump made God. Well, you know how it goes. God makes the baker. The baker makes God. Where did that line? Well, that was a, that was a Protestant line back, back during the heyday of the Reformation. It was attributed to, um, who was it? Lady Jane, the nine-day reign of Lady Jane, disputing with some divine. So, you're telling me that the host becomes God. So, God made the baker and the baker makes God? Yeah, they lopped her head off about nine days later. It's not like our partners in peace, the Saudis, are the only head loppers out there. Elizabethan England could be a rather disgusting place. You walk into town and there's a whole bunch of heads spitted on pikes on Tower Bridge. And various other parts of town, too. Sometimes there were just too many for one bridge. So again, I said we would get to the Second United States Circuit Court of Appeals, and we do. And it's one of those moments where I feel like I can pat myself on the back because I am so proud of one of the judges who heard the appeal today on Nitwit Nero's claims of absolute presidential immunity. His, of course, he said nothing in the court today. His lawyers did all the talking. And there may come a day, and it may come soon, when Nitwit Nero wishes they hadn't done so much talking. Who we? Uh, this is... Uh, this is some pretty nasty shit. One of the judges hearing uh, the appeal as uh, his pettifogger, John Sauer, was making the argument was Judge Karen LeCraft Henderson. It's always interesting to find out uh, who appointed these various judges. In this case, 
uh, Karen L. Henderson comes from South Carolina, Stan. She was appointed by old Pappy Bush. She told John Sauer that claiming that Trump could be allowed to commit crimes if he was the chief law enforcement officer was paradoxical. And again, no audio, no video, because as American citizens, we're not allowed to actually see the workings of the federal judiciary unless we show up at the courtroom. Judge Henderson said, well, I think you're missing what I'm asking. Uh, John Sauer missed a lot today. I think it's paradoxical to say that his constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed allows him to violate criminal laws. Now, we're at the motion to dismiss stage. The government has charged the specific criminal laws. We have to assume they're true. And then Pettifogger Sauer came back and tried to say that well, um, what about, and she cut him off because she'd already dismissed the claim, and she said, I thought you agreed with me that we've gotten beyond Marbury in the sense that official acts has been subdivided into discretionary and duty-bound or ministerial, and in the ministerial or duty-bound, at least with respect to even legislators and judges, they have been held criminally liable. Now, I said we can't see it, but we can, you know, hear it. You're missing what I'm, what I'm asking, which is, <clears throat> I think it's paradoxical to say that his constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed allows him to violate criminal laws. Now, we're at the motion to dismiss stage. The government has charged the specific criminal laws. We have to assume they're true. I mean, my response to that I think would be to emphasize what Chief Justice Marshall said in Marbury, which is that they can never be examined by courts. That naturally includes a criminal. Holy shit, that's not John Sauer, that's Alex Jones. Proceeding. But I thought you agreed with me that we've gotten beyond Marbury in the sense that official acts has been uh, subdivided into discretionary and duty bound or ministerial. And in the ministerial or duty bound, at least with respect to even legislators and and judges, they have been criminally held criminally liable. And that's in the face, at least with respect to the legislators, of an explicit constitutional privilege. Yeah, I don't view United States against Johnson and even ex parte Virginia as resting on the ministerial versus discretionary distinction. I think what Johnson says is it doesn't say, hey, when you were doing these other things, they were ministerial. What it says. That's like listening to a talking chainsaw. But just a word of advice. And we all know about my pregnant pauses here. And I'm never in a hurry to try to get information out. I like to I like to think about things before they come out of my mouth. 
That is not the case with John Sauer. Whenever a lawyer is being interrogated by a judge, when that lawyer starts sounding like an auctioneer gargling razor blades, you can bet that they're trying to get uh, to pull a fast one or get something over on the court. Certainly seems to be the case here. These were not legislative acts, right? And so it draws the distinction between legislative and non-legislative acts. So also, I think that's the right reading of Ex parte Virginia. It goes, they go on to say judicial act. And there's the argument that picking a jury, I don't even believe they use the word, to my recollection, ministerial. They say that because they were criminal acts. They were criminal acts. Picking the jury based on race is a criminal act. And whatever Johnson did, I think it was the very same uh, statute fraud against the United States that uh, is before us today. Ow. The same statute? Really, Your Honor? Damn. It was a fur-flying kind of day. And he was having a bad day in uh, more than one venue. But let's stay with the United States Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. Because after, after well, uh, Judge Henderson inquired of Counselor Chainsaw. I I can't imagine Nitwit Nero is happy with his voice. Hell, he's probably not happy that it's not counsel for the parking garage. Oh, really, boss? I can't do that. I'm a litigator. I'm one of the main ones. I don't do the appellate work. The appellate work. Well, another another one of the judges on the panel was Her Honor Florence Pan. Florence Y. Pan. She's uh, three years younger than me. She's a Biden appointee. She went to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit from the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, having previously also been a uh, judge of the Superior Court of the District of Columbia for uh, 12 years. She's got a long and distinguished uh, resume. Barack Obama appointed her to the Superior Court of the District of Columbia, of course, 2009. And then uh, President Biden put her on the District Court. And then President Biden elevated her to the D.C. Circuit. 
Well, uh, thank you, Billable Rick. Give yourself a cowbell for dubbing Trump attorney John Sauer as Counselor Chainsaw. Uh, Flavia said, were that guy's vocal cords damaged by a particularly bad case of laryngitis? No, prop. well, no, that's that's cheap and tawdry, and I'm not going to go there, and I'm not going to say that, no, I'm not, not going to say his vocal cords were damaged by anything that he might or, well, might have done in, because he really wanted the job representing Trump. I'm not going to do that. I'm better than that. I'm classy. But I really liked Judge Pan's line of inquiry because she was kind enough to put this little itsy-bitsy hanging by one thin final thread of a dry-rotted sneaker string radio show so far out in front of the curve, it feels like we're on straight road. Because she went exactly where I've been going talking about these very issues for over, well, probably since sometime immediately in the aftermath, before, even before January the 6th, 2021. We were talking about this particular issue way back during the actual nightmare mispresidency of Geezer Disgustus. She engaged a reductio ad absurdum, a reduction to the absurd. It was a hell of an exchange. And she didn't have a lot of patience with, uh, with Counselor Throat Full of Broken Glass. She asked him, uh, she asked Sauer a number of patently absurd hypothetical questions because the nature of the claim of Nitwit Nero is in itself absurd. As in downright nutty. But as I read about this uh, through the day, this all happened this morning, I pondered the fact that I'm kind of glad that the Supreme Court decided not to leapfrog the D.C. Circuit. Now, when when they rejected Jack Smith's request, the Supreme Court did, we talked about the fact that there was something that felt like precedent there, that in the case of Nixon and uh, Richard Milhouse Pinhead Nixon, thank you, Harry Truman, we remember you, that the Supreme Court had decided to allow the D.C. Uh, DC Circuit to be leapfrogged. But understand that that was a civil matter. It was not criminal in nature. The standards of proof are different. The nature of the relief is different. 
But criminal charges are at least, in theory, the place where constitutional law and procedure must be scrupulously followed. And so the Supreme Court, in order, I I presume, in order to make it abundantly clear that Nitwit Nero had not been denied so much as a scintilla juris of constitutionality said, nope, let it go through the damn process. Which gives us an idea of where, you know, how this is going to play out. And so this hearing took place today. The Supreme Court will hear arguments on the Colorado ballot issue in mid-February. Not entirely sure when uh, when a ruling will come down from the three-judge panel of the D.C. Circuit regarding this immunity question. But by the time it gets to the Supreme Court, and I don't think it's a matter of may, I think it's a matter of will. It kind of has to be a will. Every I will have been crossed and every T will have been dotted. And so it was that Judge Pan began asking hypothetical questions. The most notable one being this. Now remember, in the past, we've used the example of, say, Nitwit Nero opening up on a group of, say, protesters outside the White House with an AR-15 and committing a mass murder. And in our hypothetical years ago now, we also said that the F, that there would be agents of the FBI, the Secret Service, the Capitol Police, the D.C. Metro Police, and they would all be there and they would witness the commission of this felony. This was in the context of the Office of Legal Counsel guidance from 1975 that said a sitting president may not be indicted, may not be arrested, nothing. And in that case, where Nitwit Nero has mowed down, God alone knows how many uh, Black Lives Matter protester terrorists, all those FBI agents, all those D.C. Metro Police, all those Capitol Police, all those Secret Service, not one of them would have the power to do a damned thing about it. Judge Pan came loaded for bear, even though she wound up setting her sights on a lard ass. And she torched him, nitwit Nero, with his own with his own words. Or words, I guess it would be best to say, um, 
words that he had spoken by his counsel. Ooh, somebody's going to get yelled at, and the, you know, the walls of Magalardas are going to run red with hinds this evening. Uh, assuming they aren't already. There's a quote in the congressional record in which your counsel, I'm sorry, your client said through counsel, no former office holder is immune from investigation and prosecution. Well, uh, uh, that may be true of subordinate officers, but as to the principal officer, the president, he is immune unless he is impeached and convicted. He, Again, it comes back to the point he we was, made. He was president at the time, and his position was that no former office holder is immune. And in fact, the argument was there's no need to vote for impeachment because we have this backstop, which is criminal prosecution. Ow. It seems that many senators relied on that in voting to acquit. The court, I think, lacks uh, the ability to intuit what senator what motivated senators' votes in the impeachment process. What the Constitution says but is you must question, be impeached. I think the question that Judge Henderson was asking you was you took the position, or your client did, during the impeachment proceedings, that there would be an option for criminal prosecution later, and it's in the congressional record. And I guess the question is, what has changed, or why have you changed your position? Ow! Well, I, 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 I was not the lawyer there, uh, and, and, and I don't think I don't think my client's going to be very happy with him and might ask for his money back, but. What we changed our position because our client is guilty as fuck. And well, uh, Your Honor, you, you know, you, you went to a good law school. I went to a good law school. You know the you know the rules. When you have the law, you pound on the law. When you have the facts, you pound on the facts. And when you don't have jack shit, you pound on the table. Uh, so that, that's that's why that that's why that happened like that, Your Honor. Well, Judge Pan wasn't done. She said, you know, I wonder, based on your argument, if the president could be, because certainly an Illinois governor was convicted of something similar, Rod Blagojevich, um, until he got pardoned. Oops. Uh, Rod Blagojevich was trying to auction off Barack Obama's Senate seat when Barack Obama became president. Remember that? Well, Judge Pan said, Hi, you know, uh, could a president be held criminally liable for maybe... Uh, Ooh, selling a pardon every now and then? Or for maybe... I get the idea that Judge Pan has a very good memory and a very good clerk. Or or, or maybe he could be held criminally liable for, ooh, I don't know, selling military secrets? By the box full? Uh, could he could he be charged with any of that if he hadn't been impeached and convicted by Congress for it? And she said, uh, and this is a quote, your position is that he can't be prosecuted for that unless he's impeached? 
Have I got that right? An old chainsaw answers, Yup. This is a federal judge who is as high as you can get in the federal judiciary without being actually on the Supreme Court of the United States. I think my old appellate practice professor would have had a stone-cold conniption if in the process of pretending to be doing appellate work, we had answered any question from the bench with the word, yup, 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 you know it, you got it, judgy wudgy. But you see, Florence Pan is a woman. And Petty Fogger, uh, Petty Fogger uh, Gravel is a man representing one of the most disgusting misogynists ever to walk the soil of the United States of America. And so, never mind her black robe. Never mind the awesome majesty of the of the of the of the, the, the oath sworn power which she wields. She is, after all, just a woman. And so he says, Yup. Now that's either disrespect or a great big honkin' telegraph of come on, we all know we're not serious about any of this. He's no more he's no more more immune than Alex Jones is to COVID. Alex Jones. Frogs are gay. Gotta be one or the other. Yup. As long as it's an official act, he said. As if selling pardons or military secrets, both of which he damned well may have done. I wonder if that was a hint to Jack Smith. Keep looking, Jackie. As long as it was an official act, can't be touched unless the Congress has impeached him, the House has impeached him, and the Senate has convicted him. Now, bear in mind, the standard of proof in an impeachment trial is not proof beyond a reasonable doubt. These pettifogging clowns are trying to argue that it would be somehow double jeopardy to prosecute him for inciting this riot, among other things, this insurrection, this domestic terror attack. Because the Senate acquitted him. This is bullshit. I'm not sure about other jurisdictions or even the federal jurisdiction. Billable Rick, if you've got some insight on this, feel free to share. But my understanding of double jeopardy as it applies in criminal cases is that the Constitution says one may not be subjected to 
potential loss of liberty via criminal prosecution twice for, uh, for the same crime. That if you win, that if you're acquitted once, they can't come back and do it again. Now, there's a big difference between that and, say, a mistrial. The government can always come back and reindict on a mistrial. Hung jury, things like that. Not a hanged jury, you think. No, it's a hung jury. It's problematic. But the thing is, in double jeopardy, each trial, each charge, must be identical. If one or the other charge has a single element that is not identical to the previous charge, well, it ain't double jeopardy. I mean, we're talking, we're talking about kids learn this in kids. Uh, young, uh, young adults learn this. Oh, what, in 1L criminal law? Because there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of nuance. So, uh, Chainsaw Matlock says that if the president determines that, uh, subjectively, mind you, subjectively, that selling pardons or military secrets, national security, what have you, is within the scope of his official duties as president, he's absolutely immune when he does so. Yep, as long as it's an official act. Well, Judge Florence Pan was ready for that. And she said, so, could a president order... And see, the thing is, this next hypothetical question is actually probably smacks of more reality than anybody wants to think about who isn't a maggot. Remember that Nitwit Nero has threatened Joe Biden, saying, I'm coming for you. You better be careful. Pretty nice presidency you got going on there. It's a shame something happened to it. Judge Chutkin has already been uh, swatted. That didn't happen in a vacuum. And so it was that Judge Pan asked, Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act. An order to SEAL Team 6. Realizing that he was caught, Chainsaw Mason said, I would have to be, I would speedily be impeached and convicted before the criminal prosecution. And Judge Pan was again having none of it. But if he weren't, there would be no criminal prosecution? No criminal liability for that? Yeah, well, he'd have to be impeached by a House of Representatives and convicted by the Senate before he could be criminally charged for any acts related to his office. He 
and the, you know the founding fathers back then in their in their in their uh, lace cuffed uh, uh, waistcoats and their knee breeches and she said i asked you a yes or no question could a president who ordered seal team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached would he be subject to criminal prosecution ah, if he were impeached and convicted first it's so your answer is no because that is the answer and that really is the that's the crux of the matter under Nitwit Nero's interpretation of the law in which he is maximum president for life Could he have people killed at will? Could he do it himself if he wanted to? And see, that's the kind of president he really want, wanted and wants to be. Because he loves mob stuff. He really and truly does. He wants ultimate dictatorial power. He wants to rule by dictate. Uh, in a word... He wants this. You'll recognize it. Well, of mine, what draws my admiration, what is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Al Capone. A man. A man stands alone at a plate. This is the time for what? For individual achievement. There he stands alone. But in the field, what? Part of a team. Looks, throws, catches, hustles, part of one big team. That's himself the live long day, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and so on. <laughs> this team don't field. What is he? You follow me? No one. Sunny Day stands up full of fans. What does he have to say? I'm going out there for myself. <laughs> but I get nowhere unless the team wins. Team. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
y'all, is the second Trump presidency. Where Nitwit Nero can kill with a word. That's what's at stake. That's what's coming. If this court does not do the right thing. These arguments being put forward by Petty Fogger Sauer are actually arguments for the end of the republic. They are an argument for the transformation from republic into empire. They are the arguments of a Catiline. You didn't expect me to get all the way through this without a reference to ancient Rome, now did you? I wonder if it's in the nature of democracies and republics that they all fall apart this way. Driven by ambition, lust for money, for power, for status... Individuals put themselves before the good of the republic. We don't have really any examples of anyone doing that. When Benedict Arnold, oh yes we do, when Benedict Arnold sold out the fledgling United States military he did so before there was an actual United States of America the colonies had declared their independence there was no articles of confederation there was no constitution so oddly enough Benedict Arnold is less awful than the things that Donald Trump wants to be able to do. Now we did have General John Wilk James Jamie, General James Wilkinson, a young hero of the revolution. Ultimately became the most powerful general in the young United States and was put in charge of the United States military at New Orleans and promptly sold out to the King of Spain. No, Randy Radar, yeah, I understand what you're getting at. We're already an empire. We are not, though. 
we do not have an emperor. Empires have emperors. Right now, we are still operating on a Republican structure based on ostensibly Democratic principles. An emperor acts on and of only his own free will. The most maiorum, among other things. And empires, when they are born, and emperors, when they seize power, tend to immediately talk about returning the country, the state, the nation, what have you, the realm, to its traditional values. Same with Mussolini. Same with Hitler. Same with the Empire of Japan. Um, I did not realize that. I didn't know who the third judge was. Billable Rick says, the D.C. Circuit panel on the Trump immunity appeal. Uh, do you realize that the three-judge panel consists entirely of women? How refreshing. I doubt whether any of those judges will rule in favor of Trump. In any event, I pray that the D.C. Circuit won't grant the en banc appeal that Trump is almost certain to file from an adverse three-judge panel ruling on the immunity issue so that the Supreme Court can more quickly rule on this case and Jack Smith can get busy putting Nitwit Nero in the pen. You know, the same place where Al Capone went. Al Capone, whom... Nitwit Nero has been favorably citing on the campaign trail of late. I wonder if he's sitting around watching the untouchables. God, you can watch it for the costuming alone. Costumes by Giorgio Armani. Uh, Billable, I have a feeling that they will grant the en banc. And they'll fast-track that, too. Because you... Again, these are smart judges. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is said to be where the sharpest judges go when they move up into the appellate realm. It's almost a uh, as if it is a... I don't know, an on-ramp to the Supreme Court. Imagine, for instance, if, uh, oh, I don't know, sometime here in the next day or two or month, imagine if, uh, say, old Clarence pubes on the Coke can Fappy Thomas, the oldest man on the court and the crookedest man ever to sit in a Supreme Court seat, was to suddenly clutch at his chest and keel over sideways like some sort of an animation from Monty Python. A likely replacement would... It would be be at least possible that a replacement would come from where? Yes, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. 
But I, too, want to see him in the pen. Oh, God, I want to see it so bad. Uh, then what was the Roman Senate for, Randy Radar asks. Well, the Roman Senate was, you know, SPQR, Senatus Populusque Romani, the Senate and the people of Rome, the governmental structure was the Senate, and the people, the plebs, uh, had tribunes. After... Uh, after Octavian took power, the Senate became a rubber stamp. And I forget whether it was after the assassination of uh, uh, Caligula or Nero, after all kinds of prattling for uh, on and on and on about, we must return to the ways of the Republic, we must restore the Republic. You know, Star Wars music and all of that shit. Well, they bumped off an emperor and went to the Senate and said, okie doke, no more emperors. Let's get back to being a republic. But by that point in time, the Senate had become such a gang of cravens that they said, no, 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 we'll sit here. We'll, we'll, but just pick a new emperor, and we kind of like being senators because, you know, there's not a hell of a lot to do. And we can spend a lot of time at our little uh, villas down at Baiae and, uh, you know, slurping oysters. Because they did. It really happened. The Senate was largely ceremonial in the Empire. Yeah, uh, Ralphs, that is the scene where Al Capone brought the baseball bat. Baseball. So Flavio tells us that Dean John Sauer, you know, uh, Clarence Chainsaw Darrow, uh, Flavio says, according to Wikipedia, see, I'm citing Wikipedia. That's better than uh, Mrs. Ackman was able to do. After law school, he clerked for Michael Luddick and fat dead Tony Scalia. In January 2017, then Missouri Attorney, Attorney General Josh Hall and Ass appointed Sauer Solicitor General of Missouri. That's not a good sign. On December 10th, 2020, as Solicitor General Council of Record, Sauer signed the Motion of States of Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Utah to intervene and proposed bill of complaint in intervention in an attempt to overturn the 2020 United States presidential election. The motion sought to intervene and join the Texas bill of complaint filed by Texas Attorney General Ken, still charged with a felony, still hasn't been tried, uh, Paxton, which seeks to prevent the selection of presidential electors based upon the November election results in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan. It was bounced. But yes, yes, Sauer is an insurrectionist in his own right. Emilio. Trump thought double Jeopardy came after the first round of regular Jeopardy. Who am I kidding? Trump's never watched Jeopardy. He probably thinks it's some kind of fur coat melanoma bot. <sighs> That's very good. Like I said before, uh, Trump's not a Jeopardy watcher. He's much more of a ooh, Wheel of Fortune guy. Uh, Billable Rick, uh, serving of counsel, 
pretend to the Horn Family Community Congregation, says uh, the D.C. Circuit is often dubbed the Junior Supreme Court because so many Supreme Court justices have been appointed after serving there. In the presently constituted Supreme Court, the following justices were elevated from the D.C. Circuit. Thomas, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Brown-Jackson. Well, there were mistakes. Mistakes were made. Fappy, balls and strikes, beer booth and Brett. Well, one for four. Two, <laughs> batting 250 won't keep you in the bigs, y'all, but at least Katanji Brown-Jackson is there. Billable also uh, said, double jeopardy only applies when the same charge is brought after a jury has been impaneled and the defendant is either found not guilty of the charges or they are dismissed with prejudice. Double jeopardy also only applies in the criminal context. That's what I thought. That is, when a prior criminal prosecution was conducted before the current criminal prosecution. A removal trial for an impeached president is not a criminal proceeding, but is rather a political trial prescribed by the Constitution, which is more akin to a civil proceeding. I agree. You may recall that three decades ago, LAPD Sergeant Stacy Kuhn and other LAPD officers were convicted of federal civil rights charges for their brutal assault of Rodney King in Lakeview Terrace, after such officers had been acquitted by an all-white, semi-slimy uh, valley jury of state law charges of aggravated assault and attempted murder of Mr. King. The Supreme Court ultimately found that double jeopardy didn't prevent the filing of federal civil rights charges against the LAPD officers because, one, separate sovereigns had prosecuted the officers for two separate crimes, the elements of which were non-identical. Precisely. If one charge has an element, the other does not. It ain't double jeopardy. Yeah, jeopard. Yeah, it's a jeopard coat, see? I, I saw Flavio. Flavio's lolling up there in Wisconsin. Uh, Matt, Clarence Clutch, don't threaten me with a good time, Missy. <laughs> ah! I mean, oh, uh, Amelia saying, uh, uh, do you mean the on bong ruling billable? Oh dear, that may ha- that that may haunt poor Katie Turr for quite some time now. Petty Fogger Sour, Todd says, someone should check Petty Fogger Sour's amicus briefs. I fear they are soiled and full. Ah. Keep it up. That may be a little... No, 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 this is a very serious program. Thank you, Todd. Yes, Lee, I did say every I will be crossed and every T will be dotted. And, uh... Oh, my God, this would be Ken in PA. Uh, John Chainsaw Sour sounds kind of like Beetlejuice, just as creepy. Oh, Lauren. <laughs> Don't, it. Don't, well, we're already well past saying his name three times, so we're just going to have to deal with the... Uh, Consequences. 
But all of this is... quite possibly the most serious thing that, uh, that this country has ever faced. I know we've talked on a number of occasions about how every time a presidential election year comes around, we say, this is the most important presidential election we've ever faced. And none of those have been lies. None. It's just that the stakes keep getting higher. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, he, he did, Nitwit Nero, uh, offer up statements after the hearing. saying, and I'm not kidding, most people agree that we're entitled to immunity. No, most people don't. Even the maggots are not a majority of America, dipshit. Just not. Well, thank you. Uh... Thank you, Brother Deacon. Cowbell for Trump's liar sounds like an auctioneer gargling razor blades. That's a work of art, Brother Deacon says. The only amendment I'd make to that is to add, while passing a peach pit to the end. (laughs) That's talent if you can gargle razor blades and pass peach pits at the same time. So we are uh, at the halfway point of this program that we didn't even expect to have. Awfully glad that we are. It's a hell of a Titanic Tuesday, isn't it? I mean, this is some this is some heady stuff. I'd love to know your thoughts on all of this. If you've got something on your mind, feel free to chime in. Uh, there's three easy ways to do it: the stress line. 844-843-4676, 844-THE-HORN, and there's Skype. On Skype, it's Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid Horn, K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N, all one word. And then there's also 304-574-8178, 304-574-8178. All three get you into the same, uh, the same little board. And we can uh, we can start the conversation because I feel like I'm right about this stuff, but I don't necessarily. Uh, there's some nuance, not necessarily with regard to um, the immunity case. That's just dumb. But again, it's 2024. And most of the norms are no longer at the bar. Um, no. But in regard, in, in just a, just a little thought in regard to the ballot case, I've read and read and read and read 
And I keep coming around to the idea that the Supreme Court is probably going to say that Trump is properly on the Republican ballot in Colorado. And as much as it galls me to say so, they may be correct. Because it is an, it, 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 all it is is an attempt to see whether the voters in Colorado, the Republican voters in Colorado, will choose him as their party's standard bearer and give him their primary votes in terms of the nominating convention in where? Milwaukee? Because nominee is not holding an office. Nominee is not an office. And so they may want to punt. They may want to kick the can down the road. Now, what happens after he becomes the nominee? Ah, that's another question. And you know what would simplify this ever so much for those six judicial uh, chop shop denizens on the Supreme Court? If he actually won. But they're between the devil and the deep blue sea on that. Because if he wins, they don't have to worry about it because then the criminal charges will be stayed for as long as he's president. But then, well, they know that... uh, They will have also given him the power to order SEAL Team 6 to come and blow their fucking brains out. I'm not saying it should happen to Agent Fred. I hope you understand. You're sharp. You're sharp. You've been listening to this program for almost 20 years, bub. But that's the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. I should also mention that we have a $600 fundraising goal. Yesterday and today, that's where we are. We're fully funded for last week. And thank you so much to Gino. I hope you're out there, Gino. Uh, I saw it right after the program uh, uploaded. And I cannot thank you enough, as well as our anonymous friend, for helping us finally finish uh, last week. That's wonderful. So if we can, uh, if anybody wants to jump in, dollar, ten dollars, matters not. We can, well, let's do yesterday. Let's do yesterday. How about that? That sounds like a lovely idea. So 10 at 30, 30 at 10, etc. And uh, uh, our buddy, our buddy John in Central PA. Hey, Robin. Hey, John. Subject line, COVID surge. I don't know if you mentioned that COVID is out of control again or not. Everybody I know has it, myself included. I have to miss a week of work without getting paid because of all the COVID relief money ran out in this country. Oh, it didn't run out, John. Joe Manchin took it away from you and all the Republicans in the Senate. But we focus on Joe Manchin and people like Kirsten Sinema because they're such hard little quizzlings. But it didn't run out. There could have been more. But Joe Manchin was afraid that 
his constituents back in West Virginia would use it on new fishing poles and shotguns and deer rifles and the like. John continues, I saw President Biden do two campaign events on the last week and barely anybody was wearing a mask both times. Pretty piss poor leadership coming from Biden. We used to rightfully scold Trump and his minions for doing the same thing. I mean, Biden ran and won on having a saner COVID policy, but now his policy is the same that Trump's was. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, can't argue. The thing is, this country, and sad to say, either side of the political aisle, uh, let alone rotted F.K. Jr., who, by the way, uh, turns out flew around with Jeffrey Epstein. Of course, he kind of confessed that earlier, like last spring. But this country would rather burn to the ground than put on a mask. It's fucking sad. Terribly so. Thank you, Ralphs, for getting us started this evening. So we are down to uh, 579. Thank you, Ralphs. Yes, Randy Radar. What else? Oh, God. So much. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there, but uh, uh, the FDA announced a recall today. Vesta Fiery Gourmet Foods has been ordered to recall their hot sauce because their labels don't say that the uh, flour used in it is a wheat flour. And I saw that, and the only thing that came to mind is... Who, what, what, since when does hot sauce have flour in it? I've made hot sauce. God knows I've had some things that are absolutely fiery. The, uh, the ahi amarillo, uh, pepper brine that Roger gave me. Oh, oh, Fire. But do I even have a bottle of hot sauce in here now? I I do. I do. Just makes me curious. Ooh, this probably needs to be thrown out. Um uh, Okay. Uh let's look at a bottle of crystal hot sauce. From Balmer Foods Incorporated of Metairie, Louisiana. Uh Crystal is my favorite. Unpaid product placement here. Crystal is my favorite hot sauce for just garden variety utility hot sauce purposes. Ingredients. Aged red cayenne peppers, comma, distilled vinegar, comma, salt. Where's the wheat or any other kind of flour? This here is what you call an education problem. If you're into hot sauce and you're buying hot sauce that has wheat in it, don't. The thing is, the uh, reason for the recall from the FDA is that uh, 
Well, for people with allergies, using that hot sauce could be ooh, deadly, like a wheat allergy. Vesta Fiery Foods is out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Ghost. Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Hot. Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Reaper. Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Scorpion. And Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Very Hot. Now, how do you choose among those? But it says it comes in jars, and it says dry. Does that mean it? I mean, it, I, it, I don't think that means dry in the same sense of like champagne or wine. The products declare. Un, the products contain undeclared wheat. And it could cause serious or life-threatening allergic reactions if, if people consume it. At least mercifully, no illnesses have been declared as a result. Still. Well, that was just a little palate cleanser. As we move toward the second hour of the program, maggots in Maine. No, they don't stay mainly in the plain. Stop it. Uh, maggots in Maine, they're in Augusta, wanted to impeach the Secretary of State there, Shenna Bellows. Because she took her constitutional oath seriously and said that because he is an insurrectionist, Donald J. Trump may not appear on the ballot in Maine. Well, it went to the Maine House of Representatives. And the Maine House said, nope. I mean, if... if uh, Uh, if Petty Fogger Sauer can say, yep, to a uh, D.C. Circuit Court judge, I can say, nope, to the maggots who are trying to impeach Shanna Bellows. She watched the whole thing from the gallery of the house. The maggots were barking and grunting and flinging poo. And uh, uh, maggot representative Michael Soboleski of Phillips, Maine, said, Ah, this is election interference of the highest order. Another maggot, James Thorne of Carmel, Maine, who knew, said, Ah, this does nothing but further divide the political banner between the parties and indeed the people of the state of Maine. Another maggot from Palermo, representing Katrina Smith, said, uh, There's been no conviction in a court of law. She's not a judge. She's not a jury. 
and I believe that the people feel absolutely disenfranchised. There she goes, believing. Katrina there. Nothing about judges or juries or trials or jack shit in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Meanwhile, Democrats said things like she faithfully discharged her oath of office. She was an honorable person. You don't take her out of her job for simply doing it. You might disagree with her decision, and some folks do, but every government official has an obligation to follow the law and fulfill their oath to the Constitution. Secretary Bellows, after all the Sturm and Drang had passed, said... If people disagree with the decision, the proper venue for resolving that disagreement is with the courts. And indeed, Mr. Trump has appealed to superior court. If people disagree with the authority delegated to the secretary under main election law, the proper venue is for the legislature to amend the law. As of Monday, another gang of Marcus Horalius's petty foggers uh, asked uh, the judge, the Superior Court judge, to pause his decision so the Supreme Court could take it up or render a decision to make it moot. Note, just word-knowing note, I hear it from time to time, people will say that a an issue has become mute as if it has stopped knowing how to speak. This is not correct. The word is moot. M-double-O-T. And it means that the issue has become meaningless. I think I like Shanna Bellows. She's a, for- a former executive director of the American Civil Liberties Union of Maine. The ACLU being quite, well, obsessed with maintaining democratic processes in the United States. God love them. And we do have a little bit of news out of Florida. Goodbye, Christian Ziegler. The cops have apparently multiple videos of Christian Ziegler having sex or possibly rape with a woman who was not his good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, homosexual, Christian, Republican, uh, one-man, one-woman Christian wife. He is no longer the chair of the Florida Republican Party. He was voted out yesterday and apparently did not receive a single vote in favor. Now on to Bridget. Well, no, that's already happened, hasn't it? On to Bridget. Uh, I'm sorry. But, yeah, Bridget, uh, uh, one of the founders of the Brown Skirts. Yeah. Who helped draft the Don't Say Gay law in Florida. Remember, 
um, she was engaged in some high lesbicious tea. And by the way, Florida, Monkey Up, who is seeing his political future die before his very eyes, came with his tail tucked between his legs back to Tallahassee because even the Republicans were saying, we don't know what we're supposed to do in this new session. But nonetheless, they've got some ideas. Uh, they've they've decided that they want to pass a law that says it is defamation of character as a matter of law to say that anyone is sexist, racist, homophobic, xenophobic, or transphobic. This is so wildly unconstitutional that if we were living in any other time but 2024, you'd just sit back and chuckle. (laughs) Oh, you can't do that. So what needs to happen is say, if if this law passes and is signed into law by Monkey Up, who, remember, is a lawyer and ought to know better, but, well, that ship sailed and sank, and it wasn't a good ship in the first place. Uh, monkey up uh, <laughs> should veto it, but he won't. But what should happen is, say, uh, uh, a journalism outfit like, oh, I don't know, the Los Angeles Times should print an article referring to what a transphobic, misogynistic, sexist, racist, xenophobic, homophobic, Asshole, they wouldn't say asshole, of course, Um, monkey up DeClantis is, and everyone who voted for him. And then let him sue. And then let him go down in flames. Now, Nitwit Nero... And I wish I was kidding. I said this was going to be a nitwit Nero-heavy program. Oh, God, so far it has been. Nitwit Nero trying to capitalize on the idea that uh, Nimrata Haley is a dipshit, and one of the few times that I agree with Nitwit Nero, she is, Barking and grunting at a rally in Iowa this past Saturday. Said, uh, you know, the Civil War. Because, again, Emrata couldn't say that it, the Civil War is about slavery. Uh, the Civil War is fascinating, but so horrible, horrible. So many deaths. So many mistakes were made. See, there was something I think I could have I been negotiated, to be honest with you. I think 
you could have negotiated that. Other people died. So many people died. Yeah, Lincoln could have negotiated uh, and avoid the war, but he wouldn't have been as well known as I am. Abraham Lincoln, of course, if he negotiated it, you probably wouldn't even know who Abraham Lincoln was. He would have been president, but he would have been president, and he wouldn't have been the Abraham Lincoln. Would have been different, but that would have been okay. I know it very well. I know the whole process that they went through, and they just couldn't get along. And that would have been something that could have been negotiated, and they wouldn't have had that problem. This is, of course, let's remember, a soak, a son of a clansman. Uh-huh. Because he is. This is a guy who engaged in a conspiracy with his father to illegally refuse to rent to people of color. This is a guy who is as racist as the day is long whose outtakes from The Apprentice uh, are filled with that word. But he thinks that he could have negotiated with the South to say, listen, we'll just buy them from you for cheap. Todd, I'm glad to know you're out there because I'm... I think you're going to prove to be right. He ain't going to make it. So somebody asked Monkey Up, uh, somebody being ABC News. They interviewed him in Iowa this past Sunday about Nitwit Nero saying he could have negotiated uh, America out of the Civil War. Remembering, of course, at that point in time, the drumpfs were pimps and barkeeps in the Klondike? Or had he gone back to Germany and been thrown out of Germany, you know, for the coward that he was? That doesn't matter. So monkey up trying to sound erudite, because remember, he's got a degree in history from Harvard. Said, I mean, Lincoln did what he had to do. He ended up ushering in the abolition. Oh, that's halfway to Trump, isn't it? Well, it kind of is halfway to Trump, isn't it? Three quarters of the way. I mean, Lincoln did what he had to do. He ended up ushering in the abolition of slavery. Ushering in? Really, Monkey Up? And let's remember where Monkey Up comes from, y'all. Of the black man who was running for governor against him, he said, you don't want to vote for him. You don't want to monkey up the economy of Florida. Meanwhile, the the, uh, economy of Florida under Monkey Up is heading down the toilet. Just the same. He saved the Union. That's a huge victory for the Republican Party. Really, monkey up? You dumbass. It was a victory for the United States of America not to allow the the Confederacy to be carved off and then co-opted by Britain, France, Spain, hell, Russia, the Swedes, whoever.
So, monkey, monkey up continued. So, I don't know. Relitigating that doesn't make much sense to me. Good God. Clementine Caligula had also said of the Civil War, It was, I don't know, it was just different. I just find it, I'm so attracted to seeing it. No, hey, 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 over here. Donnie, Dula Donnie, pay attention. We're not talking about what happened on Epstein Airlines or 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 Lolita Island. That's not, don't, don't, don't talk about how you were attracted. Well, so, so, so many mistakes were made. This is what Republicans have to choose from. But Joe Biden is old! (sighs) I mentioned the LA Times uh, penning an article saying that People in Florida who voted for Monkey Up were racists and sexists and transphobes and homophobes just to light a fire under that stupid statute if they pass it. I mentioned the L.A. Times specifically because, A, it's in California, but, B, because they published an opinion piece by Michael Hiltzik headlined, Meet the Most Dangerous Quack in America. Ooh. According to the Los Angeles Times and columnist Michael uh, Hiltzik, the most dangerous quack in America, and this goes back to what John at Central PA was saying about COVID, uh, it used to be fairly easy to dismiss Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Latipo as a clownish anti-vaccine quack, posing a danger mostly to residents of his home state. That has become harder to do as time goes on, as Latipo has moved from promoting useless treatments for COVID-19, such as the drugs hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, to waging an ever-expanding fact-free campaign against the leading COVID vaccines. This month, Latipo established a new low for himself in a public advisory issued Wednesday this past by the Florida Department of Health. He declared... The vaccines, quote, not appropriate for use in human beings and counseled doctors to steer patients to other treatments and went on and explicitly called for a halt in the use of COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. Mr. Hiltzik says, This advisory ranks as the single most dangerous statement by a government health agency since the start of the pandemic, if not for all time. It's based on debunked uh, pseudoscience done by anti-vaxxers. Mr. Hiltzik notes that COVID infections have been surging from coast to coast. And advisories from public health authorities to resume masking and take other protective measures, such as making sure you're up to date on vaccinations, are almost invisible. Another factor being 
that uh, other vaccine-preventable diseases are on the rise. 9 cases of measles have been reported in Philadelphia. And some of it was associated with a an eruption of the disease that began at a daycare center. It began at a daycare center because of a family that violated quarantine rules. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported that one of the children who has measles is an infant who was too young to get vaccinated, an unvaccinated older child, and the older child's unvaccinated parents. But Bobby Kennedy told us not to get the vaccines because we needed to get herd immunity. Jesus Christ. And lo and behold, Ladipo showed up on before Christmas on a uh, podcast that's put up by an anti-vax agitator by the name of Del Bigtree who rants and raves and screams and carries on uh, about uh, uh, vaccines. Here's the fun part. Del Bigtree is now the official communications director for the presidential campaign of Rotted FK. Meanwhile, of all the uh, COVID vaccines I've had, the booster that I, I most recently got was the easiest to deal with. Thanks, Monkey Up. Thanks, Florida. They even... Under the banner, I'm not kidding, of Florida Health, they issued a press release. In the name of Dr. Joseph A. Latipo, the FDA's response does not provide data or evidence that the DNA integration assessments they recommended themselves have been performed. Instead, they pointed to genotoxicity studies, which are inadequate assessments for DNA integration risk. In addition, they obfuscated the difference between the SV40 promoter enhancer and SV40 proteins, two elements that are distinct. DNA integration poses a unique and elevated risk to human health and to the integrity of the human genome, including, I got one of them out in my yard, you know, I got one of them, them yard genomes, including the risk that DNA integrated into sperm or egg gametes could be passed on to offspring of mRNA COVID-19 vaccine recipients whose cousin's boyfriend will then have his testicles swear, swell up 
to the size of a grapefruit. No, I added that last part, but it's still great. If the risks of DNA integration have not been assessed for mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, these vaccines are not appropriate for use in human beings. And then the, the punchline is the final paragraph. And the spirit of transparency and scientific integrity, State Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Latipo will continue to assess research surrounding these risks and provide updates to Floridians. Updates like, hey, go get some aardvark antifungal, rub it on your gums real good with a little bit of baking soda, mm-hmm. uh, drink a pint of PP every four hours, and wear onions in your socks. Uh, we we are going <sighs> historians are going to say that we died of our own stupidity that's all we talked about the brilliant judge pan who made this program sound so stinking smart <laughs> She really did. With her SEAL Team 6 hypothetical. One of Joe Biden's U.S. District Court nominees has withdrawn her name from consideration. Colleen Holland. In a statement, uh, Colleen Holland said, I've asked the president not to resubmit my nomination to the Senate. This was a personal decision made after careful consideration. She was nominated to sit on the bench of the United States District Court for the Western District of New York. President Biden nominated her back last August. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer recommended her to the president. At the time he did so, Chuck said, uh, Ms. Holland is an accomplished lawyer with profound integrity and legal intellect, the ability to command a courtroom and a passion for the preservation of the rule of law that would bring dignity and honor to her post. They never even scheduled her for a confirmation hearing. Because you see, Miss Holland is 39 years old. At present, she's senior counsel to the chief judge on the federal court there in the Western District of New York. Her resume indicates that she's been a litigation associate and a number of respected law firms in Rochester, New York. And asshats like Miss Lindsay and Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future king of America, and Josh Hall and ass would have sat there in the confirmation hearings and tried to humiliate her because she's a woman and because she's never been a judge before. 
and you can't count on people like Joe to the Mansion Born, nor Kirsten Cinema to do the right thing. So in point of fact, it's not just Miss Holland. Two previous judicial nominees of President Biden have withdrawn from consideration, Michael Delaney and Jabari Womble. They both bowed out in May of 2023. Uh, cited by Huffington Post, Carl Tobias, who's a law professor at the University of Richmond and knows a thing or two about judicial nominations, said she seemed like a well-qualified, experienced nominee who had worked closely with Chief Judge Elizabeth Walford for a number of years and had much experience before that at well-respected law firms. However, the hyper-partisan nature of the confirmation process can make excellent candidates reluctant to be involved This past December, Senate Republicans returned 19 of Biden's uh, judicial nominees to the White House without any explanation. One wonders how the Republicans get to do that, seeing as how they're not technically in the majority, or did I miss something? So at the start of 2024, the new session... President Biden has to turn around and renominate them all over again and hope that they can get through the, uh, the, the confirmation process in the coming year. Of the 19, five were not renominated. Ms. Holland was one of them. The other four, well, there's no word as to whether the president will renominate them. And see, this is the this is the double standard of Republican versus Democratic politics. Do you recall during the nightmare reign, the mispresidency of Nitwit Nero? How many times even uh, even Senator Jubilation T Cornpone from Louisiana with his bullshit uh gooey accent tore a couple of nitwit Nero's nominees to shreds they went on to be confirmed even though they had no idea and no business being on the court one of those was what's his fuck Kazmarek who's wreaking all the uh, mischief down in Texas with regard to things like Mifeprestone because he's on the court for life Sometimes it really and truly and genuinely pisses me off. Uh, I've prattled on. Again, we got about uh, 40 minutes left in the program. It would be nice if we could knock down yesterday's fundraising. Uh, There's uh, $279 to go on that out of a uh, $579 entire fundraising goal. 
Thank you if you do help. Thank you, Ralphs. So far, you're the only one. Okay, who's on the stress line? Hey, welcome to the program. Hello, Robin. Hey, hey Ken. Ken. Hey, Ken, how are you? Yeah, it's been a while. Glad to talk to you. Been a little bit, yes. Uh, um, boy, I don't know. Todd's tangent man, but I'm tangent man too. I'm a co-tangent man. <laughs> Get it? It's a math joke. I do. I know you're not great at math, but but I know some math words. Yeah, well, you know what a cotangent is. That's trigonometry. Maybe you never took it. Whatever. Um, I was thinking. Um, sometimes we talk about other pod, so-called podcasts. Um, but with uh, creeps like uh, Roger Stone and Joe Rogan. Ooh, that reminds me. I got a Roger. I got a Roger Stone story. You're gonna love this. Yeah, but hang, I, hang on one second. Yeah, I no, you're fine. you're fine. Podcast. You're fine. You're fine. We should call them podcasts. Yeah, podcasts. Okay, hold on. <laughs> yeah. The llama so was feeling a little frisky. For <laughs> That's funny. I, um, I I forgot what I was going to say. So if you want to, you know, jump right into that story, go ahead. No, please. Over your straight man. No, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, uh, this court case was, uh, it was pretty impressive. I tried to start listening to it, and that guy's voice just, oh, it made my hair stand up on end. Oh, like, you, mean, you, mean, you, mean, you mean Perry Chainsaw Mason? Uh, yeah, I, I misappropriated uh, his name. I forgot which lawyer. Uh, John was. John Sauer. Uh, Sauer. Okay, maybe. I, yeah, I think I did. I, I think it was. I think it was said it was Laurel, but oh, there's well, so many cases. The guy with the the guy with the chainsaw voice today was John. Sour. You can remember his name by thinking. Yeah. It sounds okay. like he's got a Sour Patch Kid stuck in his throat. Now, Loro, <laughs> uh, uh, Loro is the lawyer. Uh, yeah, in right. The, in the in the, in the uh, Georgia case. Right. No, no. Yeah. Loro is in D.C. Oh. oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. You have like a. Cross tabs open on your computer, keep it straight, or no, you're just that smart. You really are. So, well, thank you. Oh, well, you're very welcome. That's why I listen. But I, I first thing, when I first heard you, like uh, 19, whatever, end of the Shrub administration. Oh, wow. No, I learned so much, and I forgot I learned so much. <laughs> Here in Encyclopedia with the Roman uh, history, 
somebody else was talking about that because that was brought up in the trial today, right? Which? No, wasn't it? No, I'm misremembering. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm today was not a trial. Right, it was the the appeal to the uh, appeals court. It was the uh, just right, the, it was, right, yeah, the it, before the Supreme Court. No, it was before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and it was on the immunity issue. Okay. Holy shit. Yeah, I, I'm not cut out to be a lawyer, apparently. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Neither really. am I. Is somebody else is calling in? No. We'll, we'll try to keep it fairly uh, uh, short. Kind of forgetting what I was thinking about earlier. Okay. I think, um, well, again, uh, I'm going to put up a $25 challenge. If somebody hits the 25 or somebody's hits the 25, I'll, I'll make it 50 on my end. Okay. Well, that's wonderful because that would take, uh, that would take us down by. Yeah. Yeah, that would, mm. Yeah, hopefully that would, we that would, keep the dreadful big Yeah, that would, take us down, down. that would take us down to 504. Yeah, and I know that's still going to happen, but um, what, I can do my part now. Brand new year. Uh, son's birthday is coming up, uh, so something can attach it to my own little tiny pea brain. <laughs> it's funny, Reed, before you uh, picked up, my cat barked up a lung. Ack. <laughs> oh, yeah, ack. You know, hairball. <laughs> yeah, no, Bill the Cat. No, no, yeah. Bill, no Bill the Cat Bill was... Cat. No, yeah, Bill the Cat was ack and... <laughs> usually spelled yeah, T-H-B-P-P-T. Right. P -P -P -T. P PBLTH is why I remember PBLTH, PBLTH. Yeah. <laughs> we do make some interesting noises. All. We do make some interesting noises on this yeah. program. <laughs> yeah, I still have all the uh, Berkeley Breathhead compilations. Uh kind of miss that stuff. It's still funny that I tried to get, uh, you know, I, I tried to be parent with uh, the Trump administration. It was kind of hard to find. You know, because he had a lot to say about stuff like that. <laughs> um... Do what else was I want to say? Um, I don't know. That's something for me. I, I got, well, I mean, I said you reminded me of something. Um, okay. Yeah. Me, Media, Mediaite had the story 
and this kind of goes hand in hand with the earlier business about Nitwit Nero having the power to order SEAL Team 6 to bump off his political opponents. Yeah. Well, this story actually goes back to 2020 before the election. A restaurant in Florida, of course, where Roger Stone mm-hmm. was sitting with his pal Sal Greco. Sal Greco was actually a member of the NYPD. And he was doing a side job being security for Roger Stone. For all I know, uh, our buddy Wave may actually know where this place is. Uh, Cafe Europa in Fort Lauderdale. And Greco and Stone got to talking about two Democrats that they absolutely damn hate. Namely, Jerry Nadler and Eric Swalwell. Mediaite got hold of the audio. And in the audio... Roger Stone looks at Sal Greco, again, who was at the time an an off-duty NYPD cop, but on the force. Okay? So far, so good? Yep. Speaking to Greco, Roger Stone says, it's time to do it. Let's go find Swalwell. It's time to do it. Then we'll see how brave the rest of them are. It's time to do it. It's either Nadler or Swalwell has to die before the election. They need to get the message. Let's go find Swalwell and get this over with. I'm just not putting up with his shit anymore. And whoever it was that dropped the dime to Mediaite told them, and and, and they'd heard the discussion, said it was definitely concerning that he was constantly planning violence with an NYPD officer and other militia groups. And the reason Stone wanted to kill them was because they sat on the House Judiciary Committee right. and had been part of the first impeachment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stochastic terrorism. No, th- no, this is the straight up stuff. This is this is basically solicitation yeah. of murder. Well, and the reason, and, and the reason, and the reason Stone, okay. the reason Stone was so pissed is because when Nitwit Nero announced that he was commuting Roger Stone's sentence, Jerry Nadler came out and said, "Yeah, okay, that's cool. We'll investigate uh, the commutation." Because remember, well, Stone, was con- Stone, Stone was Stone was Stone was convicted as a result. Of the uh, yeah, and Mueller, Trump a sentence. Uh, as yeah, as a result of the Sorry. Mueller as a result of the Mueller probe, and then Nitwit Nero yeah. commuted the sentence. But I, I didn't know they can revisit the issue. Well, they can always investigate the the, the background and the history of it. What Nadler hmm. had said in July of 2020 was, a jury found Roger Stone guilty. By commuting his sentence, President Trump has infected our judicial system with partisanship and cronyism and attacked the rule of law. 
House Judiciary will conduct an aggressive investigation into this brazen corruption. And the source who knew about the conversation with Greco said Stone had been at war with Nadler and Swalwell for years. He just hates them. He just wanted to get Trump back into office so these things would stop. Because bear in mind, Roger Stone was convicted of obstruction of justice, witness tampering, and lying to Congress during the Mueller investigation. The prosecutors sought a nine-year prison sentence, but the Trump Justice Department put their fingers on the scales and got a lesser sentence. And then days before he was supposed to show up at the joint, Nitwit Nero commuted it. And they also talked about punishing the prosecutor who had prosecuted Roger Stone. Roger Stone also told told Greco he needs to be punished. You have to abduct him and punish him. That has to be done. It'll be easy to abduct him because he's a weakling. Roger Stone's defense? Oh, it's all AI. And when video of his comments showed wow. up, he said, oh, no, no, those are deep fakes. You can't like, give hands up to Roger Stone being able, these people have been able to come up with things to throw up stuff that can get stuck in the spokes of the machine. What's curious, though, is um, when, is, is, what's, what's curious, though, Ken, is when Mediaite contacted Sal Greco, he didn't deny it. The only thing he said to media I was, I don't think you I don't think you read as interested in ancient political fathers. Prove it, you know? He's thinking to prove it in court. It was tied up in court. A la Trump. Tied up in court forever. But it hasn't been taken to court, but what it's telling is that Greco yeah. Greco didn't deny it. Not even a Nixonian non-denial denial, Ken. <laughs> They're brazen now. Well, they have to figure since Nixon, they're brazen. They can get away with it. Yeah. Maybe it's their Hail Mary. Why? Uh, I don't know. I. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. Yeah, ugly thought of uh, some raw justice being meted out. That's all I'm going to say about that. That some actual justice. It's just so how convoluted this thing is. It makes my head spin. It makes my liver quiver. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, thanks for that. Uh, I'm glad Rick uh, chimed in a little bit there. Uh, we've been missing him lately. Yeah, I haven't, we haven't talked to Rick in a while. That needs that needs to be remedied. Yeah, not to mention a ton of other people over the years that have moved on. 
I just get to thinking about some people we haven't heard from. I, I guess I get that way around the years. Like, falling off for whatever reason. And, um, boy, I would like to hear, you know, from some of us all. Uh, wow. yeah, older people is not the right word. Uh, uh, <laughs> veterans? I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah. Long standing members of the community. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I hadn't called in for like forever before. Yeah. Since I started listening. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to step out of the way, try to find my, uh, debit card, and hopefully somebody else wants to chime in on maybe Darlene or, or Steven or, uh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't try, don't try, don't try, don't try, don't try, yeah, don't try to, don't, sorry, what? don't try to conjure people, but yeah, uh, yeah, you're kind yeah, of, you're kind I of, know. Da- I David in Oregon, tough. yeah. Tristan, you know, Tristan out in Seattle. I had a note from Tristan. Uh, he told me to be watching for a package. So, uh, thank you, Tristan. Oh, wow. And he said he'd be calling again, calling in again soon. Have you ever had uh, Smith's, uh, Smith's hot dogs? Um, this, this is a local, uh, maybe hot dogs. It's- Sauces and crap in Erie. Um, it's going down Pittsburgh a lot. Smith's no, uh, but you know Clarence did tell me that the uh, Deets and Watsons uh, hot dogs that I've been getting up at the Wiggle and Pig are a- actually old is, is an old Philadelphia brand. And I tell you what, as long as the, pig, the as long as Piggly Wiggly has them, I'm buying them. They're yummy. Yeah. I know you're talking about all the stuff you can put on them. Uh, I, I usually don't, but these are really good. They're all, you know, all beef. They got that nice snap with the with the casing. It's all about the snap, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is the snap. No, they're just really tasty. I was maybe uh, someday I'll figure out I'll send you some. Well, I I've just been uh, I've just been experimenting, but I'm really fond of the. Sweet hot mustard, a little bit of cheese, the Deets and Watson hot dogs, and some kimchi. It's even better than having it with sauerkraut. Yeah, the point was with having, uh, if you got a shitty dog and you got great toddlings, it's still a shitty dog. So, yeah, we don't want any of that. <laughs> Not for our foodies. Well, it, all right, Robin. All right. Well, I'm gonna, okay. Uh, well, I'm hopefully, gonna hopefully somebody will. Hopefully, somebody will jump in on your twenty-five dollar, uh, twenty-five dollar challenge. Are you snowed in or anything? Have you had any winter there yet? Uh, no, we haven't really had much snow. Uh, today was when you would no, we really haven't had any snow to speak of. The thing, uh, the most we have uh, this year was on Halloween. You know, for about maybe about four inches. 
that wet, heavy snow and that melted right away. So, uh, no issues. Snowboarding running, so, uh, prepared. Got snow tires on. I hate fucking winter. I really do. I'm not. I get really well, as we all know, I'm not, I'm not. I know you and Darlene. So. We start, yep. we start grieving on the summer solstice, Darlene and I. Yeah, so do I. So you must include me in your little club. They person's winter hating club. Exactly. Right. All right. Well, I'll talk to you, uh, hopefully soon. I hope so, Ken. Right. I hope so. You have a good night now. Love you, Robin, and love the rest of the family. All right. Thank you. Love you, love you, too. Bye. Ken calling from uh, Erie, Northwest PA. Nice to hear. Uh, yeah, I like it when you guys, che- you guys check in because, well, like I've said before, I worry. We all worry. It's a community. It's a family. It's a congregation. It's a dessert topping. It's a floor wax. Uh, Matt in San Francisco, Roger. Roger Stone is a horrid person. I I think of him as a perfect waste of a ball gag. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I never thought of those being wasted. I try not to think of them at all. I'll be okay. Oh, uh, Randy Radar says a huge Dietz and Watson's warehouse burned up in the past few years in Philly and was making a whole lot of people sick with the air pollution that it caused. I can imagine that it might. Maybe that's why I'm finally seeing them here in West Virginia. They either got the thing, uh, they either got the thing rebuilt or they sent the salvage to West Virginia. Either one is equally probable, equally plausible. Oh, where to next? Um... The uh, former husband of dead terrorist Ashley Babbitt has filed a wrongful death suit against the United States government. I have a feeling they will probably be, the the, uh, defense will probably use the rantings and ravings of Ashley Babbitt shrieking on uh, social media. I saw one of those the other day. I don't have the audio right at hand, but... Suffice to say, she didn't sound like she was screwed down real tight. Judicial Watch, the uh, the uh, tax-exempt grift for conservative butt hurts, filed a suit in California federal court on Aaron Babbitt trying to get a great big money check over the fact that his dead wife participated in a domestic terror attack against the capital of the United States, the government of the United States, and a, uh, and, well, you know, 
the Constitution of the United States. And while wrapped up in a maggot flag, trying to break through a window, was shot dead by a cop doing his duty. That's not how the suit papers read, though. Uh, the facts speak truth, Ashley. That's how she named her, spelled her name, Ashley. A-S-H-L-I. I guess they couldn't afford another vowel. Ashley was ambushed when she was shot by Lieutenant Bird. Ashley did not go to Washington as part of a group or for any unlawful or nefarious purpose. She posed no threat to the safety of anyone, you know, until she started breaking glass and trying to crawl through the window and participate in a domestic terror attack against the Constitution, the government, and the people of the United States. And it's all Lieutenant Byrd's fault because he didn't tell her to stop doing it. Lieutenant Byrd, on the other hand, said, I think I helped save countless lives that day, which is probably a true statement. More likely than not. I know members of Congress, as well as my fellow officers and staff, were in jeopardy and in serious danger. I protected them. And that's my job. Yeah, it was. From the Department of Well, that takes some damn nerve. The QAnon shaman wants his horns back. I wish I was kidding. He done did his time. And now he's demanding that the government give him back his iconic horns. Yeah. yeah. We last heard of the uh, heard from the QAnon shaman when he was shrieking at Matt. It just gets worse, accusing him of being a coward for not being uh, photographed with Jacob Chansley. Well, um, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think so, Ralphs. Uh, Ralphs asks, was Ashley's husband involved in January 6th? I don't think so. So how many years does Roger Stone get this time, Randy Radar wants to know? What's he charged with? Nothing at this point. Oh, and... Um with the threats that he issued to Joe Biden, President Biden, and with the hypotheticals that we have described in considerable detail this evening, well, back when... Uh, Back when President Biden spoke at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, uh, or just outside, 
It was a hell of a good speech. President Biden said Trump won't do what an American president must do. He refuses to denounce political violence, so hear me clearly. I'll say what Donald Trump won't. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. It has no place in democracy. None. So today, after the hearing in the uh, D.C. Circuit Court, and of course after President Biden said what he said there, the quote, well, a... uh, a pixel-stained wretch, a member of the Fourth Estate, a journalist, posed a question to Orange Genius. Because Nitwit Nero had said that, uh, had, had used the word bedlam in his grunting and barking, and so this. Mr. Mr. President, you just used the word bedlam. Will you tell your supporters now, no matter what, no violence? And he just kept walking. Golly, that seems like a... an admission by omission, a confession by omission. No, I was too far away. I didn't hear what he said. There won't be any... I won't do any violence if I win. And I will. The the bedlam language? Yeah, here you go. day in terms of what was learned and what they've conceded. They conceded two major points that were uh, they were right in doing it. I don't think they had much of a choice, but they're very, very big, very powerful points. And I think we're doing very well. I think what are they? It's very unfair when a opponent, a political opponent, is prosecuted by the DOJ, by Biden's DOJ. Uh, so they're losing in every poll. They're losing in almost every demographic. Numbers came out today that are uh, really very mind-boggling if you happen to be Joe Biden. And I think they feel this is the way they're going to try and win. And that's not the way it goes. It'll be bedlam in the country. It's a very bad thing. It's a very bad precedent. As we said, it's the opening of a Pandora's box. And that's a very very sad thing that's happened with this whole situation. Uh, When they talk about uh, threat to democracy, that's your real threat to democracy. And I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. And if you don't, as an example, if uh, this case were lost on immunity and I did nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong, I'm working for the country and I worked on. You know, selling national security military secrets, working for the country, selling pardons. 
working for the country. Uh, very hard on voter fraud because we have to have free elections. We have to have strong borders. We have to have free elections. Those two things, almost above all. And we found tremendous voter fraud. We have a list of it. We have some findings if you want it. The press doesn't like reporting it, but we found tremendous voter fraud, determinative voter fraud. But we worked on that. That's what I was doing. And uh, they were talking about after. Well, nothing has to do with after I left. It was during the time. And that was what they really focused on today during the appeal. And they concede that, and everybody concedes that, and if it's during the time, you have absolute immunity. No, nobody so, conceded uh, that, Dave Chet. We'll see how it all works out. I, would flashcards help? You know, maybe if one of his petty foggers... Uh, hey, he, he's been on TV. He knows how to work from cue cards. You know, they use those great big markers just so that you can read at a distance. And it's just two words. Alina Havana 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 or, 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 or Chainsaw John could just hold it up there where you could see it. You know, nice and big, you know, because he's six foot three and 215 pounds. And all it says on the big cue card is, remain silent. Remain silent. Wave it at him. Useless. It's useless. The man baby can't comprehend. It's going to be bedlam. Oh, and uh, just one last thing before we sort of wrap up this unexpected Titanic Tuesday that has been genuinely Titanic. And remember, Ken very kindly put a $25 challenge on the table. If somebody will match it, he'll hit it with another 25 and we'll be down to... Um, goodness... Uh, Five oh four. Five oh four to go. So he took it on the chin again in US District Court in Manhattan. And US District Court Judge Lewis Kaplan setting up um you know, doing the housekeeping before the next E. Jean Carroll trial, because she's going to get some more money from him. You remember in the past we've talked about the concept of race judicata? That means that the court can look at facts as determined in previous court proceedings and say that we don't need to prove those all over again? Well... Judge Kaplan said, no, 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 you are not going to uh, challenge the fact that he has been already found to have sexually abused E. Jean Carroll. That was proven, that was found by a jury. You can't say that he didn't sexually abuse her, he said to Trump's petty foggers. 
He said, you can't question her mental health, and you can't talk about her sex life. And then he dropped a rock on him, as if those weren't rocks. He said, sure. Uh, You can bring in the Access Hollywood tape and play it for the jury. He said that to the plaintiff's counsel, because they want to play the Billy Bush recording. He said, you know, I, I, I just grab him by the pussy. You can do that. So the jury's going to get to hear that. He's already $5 million in the hole. He can't claim he didn't sexually abuse her. Can't challenge her mental health and can't say she sleeps at end. And this is after he had already gone on a tripe tirade on tripe social. He put up 31 tripe social posts in 26 minutes. He was, in fact, re, uh, re-triping previous tripes and opinion pieces of people saying things like E. Jean Carroll is creepy. Yeah, 31 times in 26 minutes. But we can't put a gag order on him. But then again, not remaining silent is great for the plaintiffs. Not remaining silent is great for Jack Smith. Not remaining silent is great for Fonnie Willis. And then, and I'm going right back to the phones. More blathering, not remaining silent. About immunity. Because of Joe Biden, I spend a lot of time in courts, federal, state, city. And tomorrow I'll be attending another Biden. This was yesterday. Because of Joe Biden, he's doing this. Not because of anything he did. Inspired federal appeals court argument on presidential immunity in Washington, D.C. Of course, I was entitled as president of the United States and commander in chief to immunity. I'm entitled to immunity. Every president has immunity, especially one that did the job I did. I did a great job. And I wasn't working for myself. I was working for the country. I wasn't campaigning. The election was long over. Wasn't campaigning. I was looking for voter fraud, something that I have to do under my mandate. I have to look for voter fraud. And I was finding it. Tremendous amounts of voter fraud in the 2020 election. We have volumes of information. It's all there. 
all of which has been seen and debunked and folded into paper airplanes and flown into a uh, flown into a trash can. Brother Deacon Asa being uh, trenchant here. Uh, the orange tard is correct on both points. He was working for the country. He never said he was working for the United States. So, too, he said he was working hard on voter fraud. He never said he was working hard to diminish voter fraud. He's speaking truth there. The audience is just too stupid to read between the lines. Hmm. Right you are, Brother Deacon. Well, let, uh, let's pop over to the stress line uh, before we wrap things up. Hey, welcome to the program. Yeah, it's uh, Robin. It's Rick. How are you? Billable. How are you, buddy? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Yes, I was uh, conjured. So y- Yes, you were, and sorry about your Hawkeyes. Uh, yeah, I can. I so- can. Yeah, sorry about What's your Hawkeyes. That? Sorry about your Hawkeyes. Oh, God, that was ugly. Well, you know, the good thing about it is I was in Vegas, and I placed some bets on uh, some of the games. I picked Alabama over Michigan, and uh, damn near won that bet. Uh, Michigan was favored by two points, I think, in that game. And I picked Washington over Texas, and I got like four points for Washington, and I won that bet. Um, lost the Alabama bet, but I won the Iowa bet on the under, over under. It was 36, and Iowa managed to keep it to 35 to nothing, even though, um, oh God, what a squeaker. Uh, he was about to score at the end of the game. Yeah, they were about to score at the end of the game. I was like sweating it. You know, I was with my girlfriend in the hotel room in Vegas, and I was just like, <laughs> I was nervous, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but your your but so, your beloved Hawkeyes came through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In terms of on the over under, <laughs> but I mean they had such a putrid offense. I mean I think they set records for, you know, the most wins for such a low offensive scoring output, like what sixteen points a game or something yeah, like I, that. I they think had 10 I wins, 10, I think they, I think they'd need to have an offense, Rick, before you could call it putrid. Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, man. I know, it's crazy. Well, at least your Mountaineers did pretty good. I was, good, I was, I was, I was proud of them. Yeah, they waxed, uh, what is it, was it 30, 30 to 10 or something? It wasn't even close, yeah. if I recall. Well, you know what? Uh, it, something like that. You, you, yeah. If you were Mac Brown and you knew you were going to get doused by a bucket of mayonnaise for winning, you'd, you'd mail it in, too. Yeah, well... I saw, I saw that Jim Harbaugh was able to avoid the uh, Gatorade uh, <laughs> last night after, after they had uh, wrapped it up, after Michigan had wrapped up their win. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. He's um, he's quite the coach. Um, we'll see if uh, we'll see if he leaves uh, college and goes to the Bears. That's one of the rumors. I don't know how valid that is, but uh, I doubt he will. He'll probably stay at Michigan. You know. Uh, it's it's there. a it's a dream job, you know, as long as he doesn't get caught cheating again. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. It was just it was over stealing signs. I guess he must have been watching too many Astros games. Right. I was surprised you know? though that after after they won the game, uh, somebody asked him about the or or he just decided to opine about how mm-hmm. he would change the college game. He said, "I'd let the talent. I'd let the talent share in the ever-increasing revenues. We're all robbing the same train, and the ones that are, you know, don't use robbing the train when you've already been caught stealing, Jim. 
uh, we're all robbing the yeah. same train, and the ones that are in the position to do the heavy lifting, the ones that risk life and limb out there on the football field, are the players, and not just not just football players, student athletes. He once uh, mm. he said, for a long time, people said that unionizing would be bad if people aren't going to do it, if they're not mm-hmm. going to do it out of their own goodwill and do what's right. I mean, that's probably the next step. Yeah. So, so calling yeah. for a unionized student athlete workforce because it is mm. work. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, no, I'm surprised he's pro-union like that, you know? Well, pro-player, pro-athlete. But again, as I said last week, uh, from my perspective, there was no way to lose in that in, in that championship game because it was Blue State versus Blue State. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, in a, in a red state uh, area. Although Houston's uh, quite liberal, you know? Yeah, Houston's blue. Texas isn't. But, yeah, yeah. Speaking of unionizing, I know that Northwestern, Northwestern football team tried to unionize a couple of years back, and I think they like won at the trial court level and lost at the appellate court, the Seventh Circuit, or something like that. So, you know, there is some some history of that being attempted anyway, but it hasn't yet been successful. Well, it would take it would take it would, t- it would take it would take combined action uh, all over all over college football. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's but it's awfully nice to hear from you, and, and and nobody ruined your snack this afternoon, so that was a bonus. No, that was good. That was good. Yeah, I was going to go to one more topic, if you don't mind. Uh, oh, sure. I know you're kind of overtime here, overtime by a minute or two or whatever, however many minutes it is. You're good. Um, I was um wondering about this um this immunity um the immunity appeal. I mean, it's pretty clear he's going to lose. With the uh, three-judge panel, I would imagine they could probably get an opinion out in probably in like ten days, even maybe less. Maybe they even have it written, you know. Um, <laughs> and then it would go to maybe they do have it written, and then it will go to the en banc panel possibly. Um, that's going to like be another probably what the briefing first, and then the argument. That's probably another. 30, 45 days. Yeah, but they can they can do they can do the same thing that the DC Circuit did in the first place and fast track it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember what the how when, when was this immunity appeal filed? Do you remember? Um, was it a couple of months ago or was it more recent than that? I was more recent than that. Okay, so like last just last month then. Yeah. Okay, so. So maybe you get an opinion from the three-judge panel by, let's say, the 19th or so of this month, and then goes to the en banc panel, and that's another, like, maybe 30 to 45 days for them to get to a result. But the en banc, the, 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 the en, the en banc is discretionary. That's true. They may not take it, yeah. And yeah. if he loses three to uh, nothing... Mm-hmm. That might influence that might influence the uh, uh, the on banc panel to say nah because you yeah, get, it could be if if all three of them say no you lose that means a Biden appointee mm-hmm. a, um, a, a an H W Bush appointee and I don't know who the third judge was okay yeah maybe Obama who knows um, he, he, or he W got a yeah, or W. Yeah, you never know. Could be. Could be. I mean, yeah, if it's 3 nothing, then they may just say, what are we wasting our time for? Let's just, you know, let's just uh, let it go to the Supreme Court. They may think that, too. 
Um, I guess with all the, I mean, politics really enters into this too, because you get basically, I would think that the Democratic leaning judges would, would want to just uh, not have an on-bond panel review in a way, uh, just to expedite the process, because it's going to go to the Supreme Court anyway. Um, I guess it depends on the strength of the opinion. Of the three judge panel. Well, I, th- I think so. If it's yeah. if it's three nothing and the and the and the opinion is unanimous and it's all three judges mm-hmm. signing off on a single opinion, they might say to hell with it. The other side of that coin, though, as yeah. I said, is that if you want to make sure that you've you've observed every jot and tittle of the law, then you mm-hmm. do the on banc. Because if you don't yeah. do the on banc, then nitwit Nero's pettifoggers argue that he was deprived of due process. I mean, you know you know the claims that are made in these sort of appeal situations. And yeah, and, yeah. and you know and every, every assertion of error becomes one you know one one more way to undo it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, on appeal I guess, but you know yeah, you know I don't know that you can it, I don't know that alleging error at the appellate level is necessarily going to carry the day um, at the Supreme Court. I mean, who knows? Um, to make that argument, but, you know, but, but if there is a... Well, I mean, ulti- ultimately, this is, you know, this, like the ballot access question, mm-hmm. these, yeah. are, these are both cases of first impression, Rick. Yeah, and right. ultimate, yeah. ultimately, is a decision that the Supreme Court has to make. That's true. That's true. I mean, it would, quite possibly not. A, you know, maybe not even until the fall of this year will we get results. Oh God, please in not! Either of those two cases. No, I mean, you never know. You know, I mean, the justice system grinds along very slowly. That's why. That's why I was frustrated that it took like a year. At least that we know of for for Jack Smith to be appointed from when you know the, the initial referral by Congress by the um, January sixth committee to uh, criminal charges to the DOJ. Uh, it, it seemed like it took a long time for DOJ to, to get going on this. Maybe they wasted a year, and that's significant when you're talking an election cycle. You know, um, I mean, I think Merrick was just kind of. Uh, you don't you don't think there was work going on yeah. in the, you don't think there was work going on in the background because I remember one of the things I do remember yeah. is DOJ and the J6 committee kind of being at odds. The J6 mm-hmm. committee yeah. said give us everything you've got and the J, and and the J6 committee said not until we're done. Right, right. Yeah. Because they didn't want yeah. leaks. Yeah, DOJ, DOJ, that is right. Yeah, DOJ didn't didn't get everything they wanted right away. Right, because the J six committee so, was afraid of somebody at DOJ leaking. Oh, and uh, yeah, you know, you and I, yeah. but you and I have both made a terrible mistake in the course of this discussion. We were talking about uh-huh. uh, we were talking about where it goes after the three judge panel. We now know that's the on bong. The on bong. Oh, on that's right. Yes. Okay. Okay. I learned that in law Here. school, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. They... Here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, well, um, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I don't get a chance to to call in much. I figured I'd kind of catch you here at the end of the show. And uh, I'm so glad you, you did. Know, we'd I love to. We'd love to hear from you on the uh, on the front porch sometime if you can. 
I'll, I'll do it sometime, uh, you know, with the technical difficulties I have. Uh, maybe I'll just call on the line here sometime. You could, call, yeah, than, you can, um, you can use the stress line to get in. We need to get the band back together, you yeah. and Steve, Steve from Georgia Stan and, uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, talk, uh, uh, talk about feline philosophy, you know, whether it is or isn't about the cat. <laughs> we adopted a new cat, by the way, um, oh. earlier this uh, year. Yeah, uh, Ginger's, my girlfriend's uh, good friend, uh, Tony, died back in August, late August. And after he died, people, like, were leaving the rooms open in the house. He, he had a, a mom, mama cat that had, like, eight babies. And his his dying wish was just that every 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 cat find a home, oh. and the mama and this uh, tabby named Tiger escaped. And Tiger happened to be the first cat that anybody had held. Ginger had held him first, like on May sixth on Derby Day, just after um, after we dropped Tony off from being at Santa Anita. We placed bets on the Derby, and uh, I actually picked the right. Uh, I picked the winner just based on uh, the name. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so, um, so anyway, the cat, uh, the, the mama and the tiger cat in the, in the, you know, after Tony's death ended up like, you know, escaping from the house and they were on the streets for like about a week or two. And Jim and I would go back periodically to the, uh, to Tony's house to help Tony's brother, like clean the place up and settle things up, that kind of thing. And she hears this like little meow underneath one of the cars that was parked there oh, poor in the driveway baby. and was able to coax, was able to coax the kitty out. And, um, you know, he likes belly rubs. So that got him, you know, so she belly rubbed him and, uh, she picked him up and carried him to the backyard and say, look what I have. And he's going to like hand the cat to me. And the cat, of course, jumped out of her arms. <laughs> and then it was my turn. Then he, he ran, ran back to the front of the house and again, hit under one of the cars. And I, it, this time it was my turn to coax him out, and I was able to capture him and give him a belly rub. But we kept him, like, in, in a closed room there until we could uh, make arrangements to take him into the vet. And we ended up adopting him, and he's, uh, he's like the third cat that we have now. So I already had two cats, and so, so this is kind of a living legacy to Tony. So it was really sweet. He's, uh, he's just such a ham. He's like a, he poses for photographs. I've never seen a cat like that, you know. This guy, he knows he's good looking. His name's Tiger, so uh, he's a good boy. But anyway, so that's my cat story for the day. And in this case, it is in fact about the cat. Billable, have a have a great yeah, evening sure. and a great trip home. Hey, you too. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you too. Take care, Robin, and uh, happy New Year again. And um, congrats on your new uh, grandbaby. And uh, thank you. Your um, your dog as well. You're uh, Goldie. You're golden. Oh, so. oh, he's he's unbearably lovable. We, I, we, I can only imagine. We're we're just a total mess over him, and yeah. it, even to the point, he he came bounding up onto the bed yesterday, and just caught me with one of his back claws, totally unintentionally. Yeah. Ripped, ripped me, ripped my shin right open. But it's like that's okay, baby. It'll clean up. No, I'm fine. Oh no, you're a good boy. <laughs> no, you, he's you trying can, to lick your lick your wound, huh? You can you can tear you you can you can tear Auntie to bits and pieces. That's just fine. You're a good boy. <laughs> oh, he's such a sweetheart. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, they're they're great dogs for sure, for sure. And he's huge. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, be well, and hopefully it's not too cold there. Uh, it's miserable, but not as bad as what it's going to be next week. We're going to get down to zero uh, a, a week from tomorrow. Oh my! Oh my! Yeah, it'll it'll be Winter like it's finally in here. So, yeah, it'll it'll be yeah. it'll be it'll like, be like it'll, it'll be like camping out. Oh, there you go. There here. you go. I'm sure all these. I'm sure I'll be able to see, the, yeah. see my breath in the studio. Oh my God, that's not good. So we're finally hitting winter here. We it's 62 right now, and it's uh, dropping quick. So it's going to get down to probably oh 40 degrees where I live. Maybe maybe high 30s at night. So that's our winter. It'll be about a month, month or two, and then it'll start you know be warm again. So, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, anyway. Uh, Take care. Great talking with you, Robin. It was a real pleasure, Billable. You take care. Bye now. All right. Thank you. Uh Uh Bye-bye. And so uh, that's the end of the program. A little extra broadcasting. And thank you so much to Jude. Uh, Jude said you're a treasure, dear Robin. And met 20 out of the $25 of uh, Ken's challenge. So we're down to... uh, uh, assuming that'll be good enough for Ken, we're down to uh, 509, 509, the 809 tomorrow, but we'll just keep plugging away. So thank you. Thank you, Jude. We treasure you as well, dear. So thank you, everyone. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors and our challenge makers. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thank you to our all-volunteer staff. I never did see if uh, if, uh, if Roger made it into the chat room. Might not have expected me to be here and just uh, did Zimmergy things or, you know, stuff that Roger does. Wonderful stuff, food stuff. Or maybe he was just sitting around doing math. I don't know. Thanks to our news ninjas. Thank you. Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, please, like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment. It really helps. It, it aids in our visibility. Your visibility. I mean, radio ability. I don't know, but it helps. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch. I just got a photograph of my dear friend Vernon, whose birthday was yesterday. He's just a little bit older than me. Uh, tabling down at the uh, at the event in Charleston commemorating the 10th anniversary of the Freedom Disaster. Amazing bunch of people, Cold River Mountain Watch. 20 years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia. Proud union shop that they are. Please stay safe. Randy Radar said he got his flu vaccine, his RSV, his pneumonia, and his his COVID booster. And the worst that happened was it made him a little bit sleepy. Good on you, Randy Radar. You do that, too. Everybody, please. Because John and Central PA, please get well. Get well quickly. Hope it passes quickly. 
And, yeah, nobody's paying attention to any mask guidelines anymore. But for God's sakes, wear them. Use them. You might wind up, you know, if you wear it and you don't wind up with COVID, you mean, well, that was a waste. No, it wasn't. That might be why you didn't get COVID. God knows, wear your mask if you're around the maggots. Out there barking and grunting each other. They're probably doing a fantastic job uh, spreading COVID all by themselves. Ugh. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance, even though it's really hard this time of year. Be interested to hear from Paul, Paul from Parts Unknown sometime, hear his thoughts on all of this. I know how busy he is. For God's sakes, if somebody comes toward you, you know, sounding like a human chainsaw, saying, yup, he could have SEAL Team 6 take out Joe Biden, sure. I'll avoid John Chainsaw Sour like the plague. Because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.